Welcome to the God Solution Show, where we discuss answers to humanity's questions about God and God's answers for humanity's questions. I'm Nate Herbst, and I'm so excited that you're listening again this morning. Well, we were going to be interviewing Dr. Justin Bass. I think I told you about that last week. He recently debated Bart Ehrman, a huge skeptic and critic of the New Testament. It was a great debate, and Justin did great. He was going to be on the show, but something came up he couldn't be on, so we'll be hoping to have him on in the near future. We are talking to some other great apologists that you don't want to miss, so keep tuning in. It looks like we're going to have Ravi Zacharias on the show soon and others, so keep tuning in. It's going to be very, very exciting. But today I wanted to take this opportunity that I didn't expect to have. Again, I thought we'd have a different interview lined up. That fell through. So we have this opportunity to kind of talk about something that's relevant to everyone in Albuquerque this morning. Most of you know that this past week, this sweet and beautiful little girl, Lily Garcia, was gunned down on I-40 in a road rage incident. It is breaking my heart, and I'm sure it's breaking your hearts as well. I have daughters around her age. I have a 7-year-old and a 5-year-old daughter and a 3-year-old boy. And I am not kidding you. I am heartbroken, absolutely heartbroken over this story. And I'm almost brought to tears every time I look at the news or every time I read online about what's going on, every time I see her sweet little picture. I want her family to know that we are praying for them and friends and loved ones and relatives of hers. We are praying for you all as you process this. And I kind of wanted to take this opportunity to talk about two huge apologetical questions that always come up when things like this happen. Let me intro those and we'll unpack them a bit. But I don't want this conversation to take away from the reality that we need to be praying for this family as they grieve the loss way too early of their precious little girl. So I would encourage each of you to be praying for this family right now, even as we begin the show. Take a minute, and wherever you're at, pray for this family, that God would be with them, protect them, and somehow bring good out of this. That's kind of the hope that we have in Christ, right? That God can turn even the worst circumstances around for good. So pray for that family. The two topics that I want to talk about, of course, are the moral argument for God's existence. We all know that certain things are right and certain things are wrong, and we know they are objectively so. When we hear a story like this, there's not a human being alive, I don't think, that thinks, oh, it's really not wrong. We all recognize that this is horribly wrong, that what that shooter did was wrong anytime, anyplace, anywhere. It's objectively wrong. Well, why are certain things objectively wrong? That reality points directly back to God's existence. It's actually historically been called the moral argument for God's existence, and it's a compelling argument for God's existence. In fact, that moral argument for God's existence is what drove C.S. Lewis from atheism to Jesus Christ. And recently, it drove Francis Collins, arguably one of the greatest scientists of the last century, from his atheism to Christ as well. So it's a compelling argument for the existence of God. I'll unpack it a little bit, but before I get there, I want to also intro and mention probably the issue that's even more on people's minds as we think about this story, and that's the problem of pain, suffering, and evil. See, when we look at the world, we realize that things are not right. We realize that there really is a lot of bad going on out there. There is pain, there is heartache, there is suffering. There are children every day being trafficked for nefarious purposes. There are people every day being killed, even today, even during this show, people are going to die for their faith in Jesus Christ. There are people being killed for many other reasons as well. 
There are people living in horrible conditions, being forced to do things against their will. There are people dying in natural disasters. We look around this world, and most of us ask the question, if God is really real, and if he really is good and loving, and if he really is all-powerful, why does he let this go on? Why does he tolerate this? Many atheists would say that very issue is what drove them away from faith in Christ and to atheism. In fact, I mentioned about this debate that happened recently between Dr. Justin Bass and Bart Ehrman. Bart Ehrman would like you to think that he is just following the evidence where it leads, and as he researches the historical reliability of the New Testament and the textual reliability of the New Testament, he's concluded that he can't believe it any longer. That's not correct at all. In his own words, what drove him from faith was this problem of pain. He actually wrote a whole book about it called God's Problem. I don't encourage you to read it. If you want to read something on the topic, I would encourage you to read Ravi Zacharias' recent book on that topic, and that's what hopefully he'll be talking about when he makes it on the show. Anyway, I want to deal with that question because we all ask it, and if you haven't asked it, you're bound to ask it when tragedy hits home close to you. So that's the question. If God is good and if he's loving and if he's all-powerful, how can he tolerate evil and pain and suffering in this world that he created? So those are the two questions that I want to process as we think about this tragedy right here in our hometown of Albuquerque this week. Number one, why are certain things objectively right and objectively wrong? When we saw this happen, we knew that it was objectively wrong. And that very reality points directly at the existence of God. And number two, how can we reconcile things like this with the existence of an all-powerful, all-loving, all-good God? That's what we're going to kind of dig into. Again, before we get any further, I just want to remind you, please keep praying for the family and relatives friends and loved ones of this precious little girl that our community lost this past week. All right, let's jump into these two questions right here on the God Solution Show. So number one, and I want to hit this one first because it's a less important question in the grand scheme of what we're thinking about this week, and that's the moral argument for God's existence. When things like this happen, we know that God must exist. We know that because we know that things like this are objectively wrong. By objectively wrong, I mean they're wrong for all people, all places, all times, everywhere, no matter what the context, it's always wrong. Gunning down a four-year-old girl in anger is always wrong. There's never a justification for something like that. It's always objectively wrong. Now, if we're all just atoms and molecules, if materialistic naturalism is true, if atheism is true, if evolution is true, then we are nothing but matter and energy. We are nothing but atoms and molecules. In that materialistic scheme, what happened this last week would be nothing more than one version of atoms and molecules bumping around, and no one could say that's objectively any different than any other version of atoms and molecules bumping around. If atheism is true, if evolution is true, no one can look at this and say that was wrong. They could only say, I don't like that. Well, that's fine. Maybe the shooter did like that. And who are you to say that you're right and he's wrong? Again, if it's nothing but atoms and molecules, there's no standard by which you could objectively call anything right or wrong. The fact that we realize that some things are objectively right and objectively wrong points directly to a standard of right and wrong, a moral standard of how we should live. That moral standard 
implies the existence of a moral standard giver and enforcer, namely God. You could word the argument like this, and this is how Dr. William Lane Craig words the moral argument for God's existence. He says, if God does not exist, objective moral values do not exist. We know that objective moral values do exist, therefore God exists. I actually debated an atheist on this show on this very topic in the past. And the reality is, to get out of the existence of God, the atheist has to disprove one of the due premises there. They have to either disprove that objective moral values exist, or they have to give a reason that they could exist without a lawgiver and enforcer. The atheist I debated on the show took the latter approach and said they just exist. They don't need a cause. They don't need an enforcer. Objective moral values just exist. I asked the atheist on that show, if that was my explanation for God's existence, would you let me get away with it? And he said, no, I wouldn't. And I said, and rightly so. But that's not a valid justification for your confirmation of God's non-existence. In other words, you have to do better. You actually have to prove that that premise is correct, that you could have objective moral values without a cause. And he didn't have any explanation for that. The only thing he would be left with is the route that a lot of other atheists take, and that's that objective moral values do not exist. I actually debated an atheist on the Fort Lewis College campus once who took that approach, and I asked him, if, if that's true, could I drive a large, sharp knife through your stomach? And he said, well, I can't say that that would be morally wrong. All I could say is that I would find it unpleasant. The audience laughed at him when he said that because we all know that's ridiculous. Something like that is always wrong. It's never right. So the atheist is left in a really bad situation here. They cannot disprove God's existence because we all know that objective moral values do exist and that if they exist, they require a cause. And that cause would be something greater than and outside the material universe, namely a moral lawgiver and enforcer, namely God. So that's what it boils down to. If somebody's looking at this story and saying, how could this happen? It's wrong. They have already believed that there has to be a standard of right and wrong. And if they follow that logically to its conclusion, they're admitting the existence of God and his place in this world as the judge, the lawgiver and enforcer of the world that he created. I don't want to just stay there. I want to get to the rest of the problem because that's probably what's on people's minds. But I wanted to start there because the reality is if we look at these stories and we say this is wrong, we cannot turn around and say God doesn't exist. Because if God doesn't exist, this story is not wrong and there's nothing wrong with it and we can't objectively say it's wrong. But we all know that's not the case. We all know God exists. If you've never heard it before, that's the moral argument for God's existence. I'll state it again the way Dr. William Lane Craig writes it. If God does not exist, objective moral values do not exist. Objective moral values do exist. Therefore, God exists. Again, it's a compelling argument for God's existence. It drove C.S. Lewis and Francis Collins from atheism to Christ. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to The God Solutions Show. You're listening on KKIM. We're going to be expanding to a few new stations soon, I think, so keep tuning in. You can go to GodSolutionsShow.com for more information on The God Solutions Show. Anyway, we've been talking about the horrible tragedy this week, the tragedy of 
this precious little girl, Lily Garcia, being gunned down in a road rage incident right here on I-40 in Albuquerque. It was a horrible story. It has brought many of us to tears, and we're praying for the family and loved ones of that precious little girl. I'm thankful that justice is being served in this case. We just described how the reality that this is objectively wrong, and we all notice that, points directly to the existence of God. We've confirmed that. I don't think that you can argue that God doesn't exist. We look at this. We know it's wrong. We know that requires a lawgiver and enforcer. Therefore, God exists. We can all see that. Now the question that most people are asking goes a little bit further. If God does exist, and if he's good and all-powerful, how could he tolerate this? So the question gets a little more complex. If God really is good and loving and all-powerful, shouldn't we have a world where nothing like this happens? Shouldn't this be a non-issue? Shouldn't this never happen? And when it does happen, isn't that evidence that God doesn't exist or he's not all-powerful, i.e. not God, or he's not good and loving, i.e. he's evil? So we look at this problem and we realize this is a little bit of a pickle that we have to work through. The youngest person that's ever dealt with pain and loss has probably thought these thoughts. Theologians and philosophers have argued them for centuries. As we get into this topic, I want to make a note. Everybody has to deal with the problem of pain, suffering, and evil. Atheists have to deal with the problem of pain, suffering, and evil. I just described how the reality that these things are objectively wrong points to God's existence. For an atheist, if they believe evil is wrong, they have no basis for saying it's wrong. In other words, the atheist has no answer for the problem of pain, suffering, and evil. Everybody has to answer this. The atheist has no answer for this. I don't believe other religions do this question justice. As Christians, it is a difficult question to consider, but we have good answers. And the reality is those answers are not void of hope. We have incredible hope as we face pain, suffering, and the evil that's in our world. There is a context. There's a purpose. There's more going on behind the scenes. There is a purpose to our pain and suffering. There's something more, and that gives us hope no matter what we're going through. So if you're looking at this story, and you're feeling the sense of loss that I am feeling, and I'm sure most of the city and most of the nation and much of the earth is feeling as they read this story, if you're feeling that pain and suffering right now, know there is hope, and we're going to get to that hope here. And you might be feeling pain and suffering about other issues. Know that there is hope. The worst thing you could do is say, oh, God doesn't exist. In fact, we just showed how God's non-existence would make the loss irrelevant. In other words, there wouldn't be anything wrong in the first place. So we know that logically we can't just fluff it off and say God doesn't exist. That's a horrible approach to take, but I can understand how people might emotionally try to go there. The reality, though, is there are good answers to this question. Let me just share a few that have been common throughout the ages. I didn't come up with these. Philosophers and theologians for centuries have debated these, and these are kind of standard responses. The first response is that God created us with free will. Right from the beginning of the Bible, in chapter 1, God creates man and woman in his own image. He tells them that he has a purpose for them, to go and fill the earth, to walk in fellowship and relationship and intimacy with God himself. They walked with him in the garden. They talked with him daily. That was the purpose with which we were created. 
Unfortunately, God told them don't sin, and they did sin. They went flat against God's will. They broke his law. They spit in his face. And that relationship between God and man was broken. At that very moment, with our own free will, we as human beings chose to sin against God. We chose to rebel against God. Putting it in today's terms, we chose to follow our own heart. And it did not get us anywhere good. It got us a lot of places bad. I was on a ski lift with a lady once, and she said, I think the the key to the good life is to follow your heart. And I told her, my wife was recently overseas in Cambodia working with girls rescued from sex trafficking. And the guys that went over there and raped those girls 40, 50 times a day, they were following their hearts. Were they right to follow their heart? And she goes, well, of course not, not them. And I said, well, where do you draw the line? Where's the standard? Because if morality is just following my heart, if my purpose is following my heart, then who are you to say that those are wrong ways to follow your heart? See, there's got to be a right and wrong that this world is based on. And there is. God gave it to us. And when man uses and exercises his free will to go against God, to rebel against God, bad things happen all of the time. My sin always hurts me, and it always hurts others. Always. Even when I think it's not that big a deal, it always hurts other people. That's the reality of the issue. And when human beings choose to do their own thing, they go against God's will, they go against God's law, they break God's law, and they hurt themselves, and they hurt other people as well. That's what happened this week. One man that couldn't control his anger, that couldn't control his temper, that was arrogant and proud and evil, went against what God says is right. God says to love others, to forgive others. He went against that. He took out his anger on another person, and he killed a four-year-old precious little girl. That is exactly what's going on with man's free will. I choose to do things my way, and it hurts other people and devastating ways. In Proverbs 19.3, it says that, that man ruins his own way with his own folly, and then his heart rages against God. Maybe you've experienced this. I make my own bad choices that contradict everything I know to be right, and then I face the real consequences of my own bad choices, and then I somehow think it's okay to blame God for that? I remember talking with somebody once that cheated on his wife, had an affair, left his wife, cheated on his wife, then divorced his wife to be with this other woman that he was having an affair with. Unsurprisingly, the wife left with the kids to a different state. And this man talked to me, and he said, how could God let this happen? How could God let this happen? And I told him, God didn't let this happen. This is the natural consequence of your choice to disobey God. If you are loving your wife like Christ loved the church, like you're called to as a husband in Ephesians 5, if you were laying down your life for your wife, she wouldn't have left you with the kids to a different state. See, what happens is people choose to sin against God, then they face the consequences of their own sin, then their heart rages against God, and they say, God, how dare you? How could you let this happen to me? Well, the reality is God begged you and warned you that if you do those things, bad things will happen to yourself and others. Yet we persist thinking, who's God? What right does he have to tell me how to live my life? I'm going to follow my heart, do what feels good to me. 
and then I face the consequences of my sin, and the whole world does alongside me. I got to camp on this for a minute. This is where our society is at. Our society is redefining morality according to zero standard. Whatever we feel like is right, we call right. Whatever society deems right, we call right. And if you object to society's evolving definition of right, you're the bigot. Unfortunately, this is going to lead to more and more and more of what we just saw this weekend. In fact, we've told students in schools for 30 plus years, 40 plus years, that God doesn't have a place in our lives. You can't pray in school. You can't read the Bible. You can't this. You can't that. Nothing with God. No Ten Commandments. Well, what's the result of it? It's exactly what we're seeing right now. People killing each other. I mean, I got to get off on a little bit of a rabbit trail here, you know. People say that guns are the problem. Our politicians are trying to say guns are the problem. We've had guns in this country since the founding of the nation, since actually before the founding of the nation. And we never had killing sprees like this until we began removing God from school, removing God from public places. There is no separation of church and state in our founding documents, as people would say. But the reality is, it's not guns that are killing people here. It's horrible human beings that have no basis of morality guiding their decisions. If you are trained that there really is right and there really is wrong, and if you break God's law, you will face eternal consequences for it. You're going to think twice before you unload a gun on a bunch of people. If you're told that you should follow your heart and nothing is right or wrong, well, if you feel like doing that, why not? Because there are no true consequences to it at all. What's going on in our society today is a meltdown. We have rejected God and his standard, and we are reaping the consequences of it. Guns didn't cause this for 200 years. A lack of God in our lives has caused it as soon as we kicked him out of our lives as a nation. So the reality here is, why do we see pain, suffering, and evil in the world? Because God lovingly gave us free will. We couldn't be in relationship with him without it. So God gave us free will, and we have chosen to rebel against God. And in our horrible choice to rebel against God, we are facing the consequences of our own rebellion. We have created a monster with the philosophy that we're teaching people in public schools today and in our nation today and in our, in our entertainment today. We've created a monster and we're reaping the consequences of our own really bad choices and really bad thinking. It's been said that ideas have consequences and bad ideas have bad ones. And that's true. We have rejected God and we're facing the consequences of that rejection. So why is there pain, suffering, and evil in the world? Because God lovingly gave us free will. He respects our choice. And a lot of times people choose to do really bad things that have really bad consequences for their, themselves and others. And then we try to turn around and blame God for it. And we can't do that. We have to realize that sin always has bad consequences. We can't just blame God. The other reason, though, that God allows this to happen it isn't just to give us a free will and an opportunity to respond to him, but God has a purpose in allowing this. God doesn't cause evil. Evil is the absence of God, just like darkness is the absence of light. God doesn't create evil. It's not a a thing he creates and puts in the world. Rather, evil happens whenever we use our free will to go against God. But what's the purpose in God allowing it? Couldn't God just end it all right now? Well, there are lots of different purposes in God's allowing evil on this planet. 
One that I believe very strongly is a purpose that God has is pain gets our attention and drives us back to God. If I never felt pain, I might never feel the need to go to God. In fact, C.S. Lewis, in his classic work, The Problem of Pain, said that pain is God's megaphone by which he gets the attention of a sleepy world. That is exactly what's going on. When we see things like this, we cry out, what is going on with our world? Something is desperately wrong. And we realize there has to be more. God gets our attention. He shocks us out of our complacent little worlds and shows us that we desperately, desperately need him. So there's a purpose in him allowing this to happen. Another one is it creates a sense of urgency. If we all live to 100 years old and never experienced any kind of premature loss or pain or disease or accident or violent sin from others, if that didn't exist in the world, there would be no urgency. We could say, I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to sin all I can. And at 99 and a half, I'll trust in Christ and it's all good to go. No, the fact that God allows these types of things to happen keeps a sense of urgency in this world. I know that I'm not guaranteed to make it home from this radio show. I could die on the highway an hour from now. Knowing that creates a sense of urgency. I can't be complacent about eternity. I have a decision to make. Will I or will I not continue to reject God? I have to make a decision. Here's a good way to understand the purpose by which God would allow things like this to continue happening on this planet. You've all seen tapestries, and I didn't come up with this analogy. Somebody else did. We've all seen tapestries. Well, the reality is that when you look at one side of the tapestry, it looks like a tangled mess. Pieces going everywhere, yarn going everywhere, knots going everywhere. It doesn't look good at all. But when you look at the other side, it's a beautiful, organized picture. Sometimes looking at things from this side of eternity, I see nothing but knots and frays and weird strings that don't look connected. But someday when I get to heaven, I'll be able to look back at everything that happened in human history and I'll see God divinely working through it to bring the most people to himself possible. There is a purpose, and that gives me hope. See, as a Christian, not only do I have answers for the problem of pain, not only do I realize it proves God's existence, but I also realize that it determines a reason for me to live in line with God's word, and I have hope when other people don't, even when I don't, that God will turn it around for my good in spite of the pain. So those are good answers, but if you're dealing with pain right now, it might feel a little bit theoretical. I want you to know that God loves you dearly, and he desires that you would draw near to him in your pain, that you would come to him, put your trust in him if you haven't already, draw near to him in prayer and in his word, go to church this weekend and plug into some good fellowship, draw near to God and let him comfort you. In fact, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit is God's comforter. And his comforter does just that. He comforts us when we go through pain. So not only do we have an answer for this problem, not only do we have hope in this problem, but we have God himself living in our lives, comforting us as we go through these problems. So in conclusion, why is there pain, suffering, and evil in the world? Well, we know it all points to the reality that God exists. We know that it all results not from God, but from my own sin. We all know that there is a purpose in it, and God will bring good out of it if we allow him, and that gives us hope. 
The reality, though, is this points to the gospel, and the gospel for each and every one of us is the most important and good news that you could ever hear. And in a week of very bad news, I hope that you latch on to this good news. This good news is that God himself loves you and died on the cross for your sins. The sin that separated him from you has been paid for at the cross, and now you can have peace with God because of what he did at the cross. If you've never taken that step to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you could do that right now. Say, Jesus I believe that you are who you say you are, that you died on the cross for my sins, that you rose again to give me new life. I ask you today to forgive me, to come into my life, to be my Savior and Lord, and to make me the kind of person that you want me to be. I put my faith and my trust in you, Jesus. Amen. The Bible says if you take that step today, you're adopted into his family that you can look forward to a life of meaning and purpose on this planet and an eternity with him in heaven. Well, I hope that this encouraged you today. And as we close out the show, I would encourage you to go to GodSolutionShow.com, see our past shows there, see a list of local churches that you could visit this weekend, partner with us. You could help us expand to new stations. In fact, there are a few new stations that we're trying to trust God to expand to. So if you feel like helping, donate at the Partner tab right there at godsolutionshow.com. Well, I hope that you'll draw near to God as you consider everything that we heard this week. Keep praying for the Garcia family. Thank you so much for listening. Please tune in again next week. Like I always say, an open mind, honest heart, humble disposition, and diligent search always lead to Jesus. Thanks so much for listening. Have a wonderful afternoon.